0: You may be seated. Great job, Justin. Thank you very much. I really, really, really appreciate what he does. Well, obviously, we've got a little bit more room in here this morning than we did last Sunday morning at this service. So uh, I, again, publicly apologize for that. I know there were a lot of people here last Sunday morning looking for a place, looking for a place to sit, looking... That's today. I know I didn't mention it on the phone for you, but this, is it going to happen today? Yeah, right after this. Service. Okay, yeah. for sure? Oh, yeah. Okay, all right. Thanks. Oh, it's, it's the last one until till September. It is? Everyone's invited. You want me to yeah. tell them? Yeah. Oh, is that why you're here? Yeah. I kind of wondered that. Yeah. Yeah. You have an accident on the way over? Do <laughs> hey, you fall down? They'll find out if they Oh, they'll find me. out. Yeah. Okay. Because oh, yeah. I think you fell down a lot. Oh, by the way. Yes. I just want to pat you on the back. Oh, no, no, you. no. That's Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, anyhow, though. <laughs> I have no idea what that was for. <laughs> Family experience, the last one of the, of the uh, semester, kind of last one for the spring and all of that till fall. Family experience, which is a great way of being able to teach all the kindergartners through fourth grade the lesson of the month, the theme of the month, the value of the month going to happen right after this service right after the next 10 minutes after each service in the old sanctuary family experience you don't want to miss it Gotta make sure you bring your child so the parents and children both can learn the value together can learn what's going on and how you can best help your child through the month it is a great it just kills me they just do a great great job you don't want to miss out on that so make sure you take someone with you Uh, Again, I apologize for last Sunday morning for those who came. For uh, many of you who have family and friends who came and were inconvenienced, I hope you invited them back and uh, continue to bring people. One of the ways that we really develop our relationship with God is in the family of God and with the family of God, and we can do that in a variety of ways. And we'd love to have you invite your family and friends here on a regular basis so they can be a part of our family. I want to again say so much to Justin. Good Friday service. Uh, was probably one of the most enjoyable I was ever at. And uh, he put that together. Tim Solo, even though I've heard him sing before one other time, absolutely stunned me. And uh, God has just blessed us with so much unbelievable talent. Brad, last Sunday morning at the end of the Easter celebration, I could have gone to heaven then. And uh, I know you could as well. I'd heard that song just a week before. It's an old hymn, one day that's been redone by Casting Crowns, and it just was phenomenal. So uh, we're glad you were there, and glad you were a part of our family together. I hope you're excited about today, and uh, for the next weeks together as you gather some people around you. If I were to ask you what one area of your spiritual life you wish were a little bit better, one area of your spiritual life that you would probably say, I'd, I'd like to improve in this area a little bit, what do you think most people would say to that, or how do you think most people would answer? What one area of your spiritual life would you wish were just a little bit stronger or better? What do you think most people would say? Wow, you're right. Prayer. There's one area of my life, and again, it may be different for all of us, but if, if it's like what I have found in my experience, when I ask that question, what area of your life do you wish were a little bit stronger a little bit broader, a little bit deeper. What would it be? Most people answer that question like you did this morning, prayer. You know, the average believer, according to Barna research, prays how long? How long do you think? Five to seven minutes a day. The According to Barna's research, the average believer, this is not non-believer, the average believer prays five to seven minutes a day. One-third of those surveyed, only one-third of those surveyed pray at least once a day. Now, what that means is, obviously, two-thirds of those who claim to be believers don't pray once a day. Now, that five to seven minutes also includes, for most people, mealtime. So, for a lot of folks that pray during mealtime or before every meal, three to five minutes of that is just, Lord, bless this food. Five to seven minutes a day, the average believer spends in time with prayer. Now... If you have five to seven minutes as the average and you know in your context of believers that there are a lot of people around you who pray a half hour, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour or two a day, to be able to have that kind of an average, what do you think some must do? Absolutely nothing. Never, ever, ever communicate with God their creator, their maker, their sustainer, the lover of their souls, the redeemer of mankind. This morning we're going to begin a, a four to five week series on prayer. We're going to use the context of James chapter 5 as a platform, but we're going to spend the next number of weeks. Now, there's some things that are going to happen in the middle. Two weeks from now, we're going to have the vice president of the Christian Missionary Alliance here, is in charge of missions overseas, what God's doing around the world. He's going to share with you where the alliance is at. Two weeks after that, we'll be an annual council, which is the gathering every other year of all the alliance workers and missionaries from around the globe to determine what it is that God would have us do in the future. And Bob's going to be here a couple of weeks from now sharing with you what the Alliance is doing all around the globe in regards to pushing back the darkness, letting the light of Jesus Christ shine through. But throughout these next few weeks, we're going to talk a lot about that subject of prayer. This morning, the privilege of prayer. Next week, the pattern of prayer. On the 22nd, healing prayer. In June, what happens when the answer is no? What do you do? How do you respond to that? The power of prayer. Incredible things that that the Apostle James wants to teach us out of this section of Scripture. Now one of the things, you can start turning to James chapter 5 this morning. One of the things that I have said on a number of occasions, when you begin to build your subject of what the Scripture has to say on any given subject, if you're developing your theology on Whatever it may be, you've got to make sure that you look beyond one or two verses. Never, ever develop your theology on any given subject based on one verse or even two verses. But what does Scripture say about that subject? Let me give you the classic example. It's a verse that all probably everybody in the room knows. John three sixteen For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not die but have everlasting life. James, if you add that particular piece that we shared with a number of months ago in chapter 2, said even demons believe. So even this most powerful verse, John three sixteen, that all of us know, said all you have to do is believe and to receive eternal life. But James says, now wait a minute. There's more to belief than just acknowledgement in your head that you know he exists. It fleshes itself out. Jesus adds on a number of occasions, repentance must accompany belief. And the list go- goes on. Be very careful not to develop your theology on any given subject based on one verse, but what does Scripture say about that subject? If I'm going to build my theology on prayer, let's say, on one verse, I already chose which one it's going to be. It's in John 14, 13. Ask whatever you want, and I'll do it. I love that one. There's a lot of people that develop their theology based on that verse. Ask whatever you want, and I'll do it. So that the Father is glorified. Oh, so the Father is glorified. Oh, okay. That changes a little bit. Mark says, ask whatever you want in prayer. Believe it, you'll receive it. There's a lot of people that build a theology around that verse. They are believe it and receive it kind of people. I've claimed it. I've named it. I believe it. He has to do it. Based on that verse, there's whole denominations at times, or churches at least that I know that build their theology on prayer on that particular verse. But John 15 says, if you remain in me... And my words remain, and you ask what you wish, and it shall be done. James chapter 4 said, look, you're asking with impure motives. You're getting it for your own, or you're asking for your own pleasure. So make sure you examine your motives. Now, as I begin to develop my theology on prayer, it's not just going to be, ask whatever you want, now do it. Or even if I believe that it's going to be received, he'll do it. But then I want to make sure that I understand that it's affording to the Father's gl- will that He be glorified and that I make sure that I remain in Him and He remains in me and I make sure my motives are pure. And as you begin to examine Scripture, then you'll be able to develop a theology on any given subject. What I want to do this morning is look at this particular section of Scripture in James chapter 5, flesh it out, and then add some things to it over the next weeks together. James begins to wrap up his thoughts. Remember at the very beginning, months and months ago when it began, he's writing to people who have been spread all over Asia at this time. The uh, diaspora, the dispersion, the the persecution of the early church had taken place. After Pentecost, they remained in Jerusalem. It's kind of cool to do church together. Thousands had been coming to faith in Christ. They enjoyed that. They enjoyed the numbers, just the sheer numbers alone. Anybody who had a need, everybody met that need. They all pitched in to help one another. Things were going amazing. Every day they were added to the church, those who were being saved. It was an incredible experience. And then all of a sudden, Acts chapter 8 hits. Persecution takes place. Saul gets on his rampage before he becomes the Apostle Paul. Christians are being persecuted, thrown into jail. And they're writing to James saying, what do we do? James gives them more and just simply said, pray. He answers that in a lot of different ways over the next... Verses together. And now he begins to wrap up his thoughts. And as he does, he spends some time on a powerful piece of scripture. Seven times in these few verses that we're going to read this morning, pray or prayer is mentioned. I believe he has some things to teach us. So let's read it together. James chapter 5, beginning at verse 13. James 5, beginning at verse 13. I'm going to allude to this section, especially the first. So I want to make sure you're in the Word. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let him pray. Is there anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they've sinned, they'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for one another so that you can be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. Prayed earnestly that it would not rain. It did not rain on the land for three and a half years. He prayed again, and the heavens gave rain. The earth produced its crops. James begins simply. Anyone in trouble? Pray. You're happy? Sing. You're sick? Call. And he ends with the fact that the prayer of one man can change the climate of a nation. Begins very simple, ends by saying the prayers of one individual can change the climate of a nation. This week happens to be on Thursday, the National Day of Prayer. And there are Christians all over the planet, all over the United States, gathering together to pray for this nation. I hope it's not a day where we pray for our own individual needs or my personal needs or my own issues. But for this nation, it needs prayer. It has needed prayer for the last 250 years. Elijah, individual just like us, prayed that God would intervene in very powerful ways to an entire culture, and God did. So is the prayer of one individual effective? Absolutely. Pray simply and powerfully, and in the middle, an incredible promise. In verse 15, the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. We're going to get to that one in a couple of weeks. If you examine the New Testament, you'll find that on a regular basis, Jesus got alone together with the Father and prayed. Matter of fact, in Luke, he said, I'm not telling you what I know or what I hear, what I think. I'm telling you what I've heard from the Father. How did he find that out? Spending time with God in prayer. Disciples had to see that on a number of occasions, and one day they came to him and said, Lord, would you teach us how to pray? I don't know for sure, but I believe they had prayed before. But I think there was something so fascinating and unique about Jesus' prayer that came to him and said, would you teach us how to pray? To be really honest with you, this is my prayer for this series. And I hope it's yours too. Lord, would you teach us, even if we know how to pray, Would you teach us how to really pray? James begins simply. Not superficial, not shallow, just simple. Verse 13. Anyone among you in trouble, let him pray. Anyone happy, let him sing. As I read verse 13, I think it can mean this. Come to God the way you are. Not the way you think you should be, not the way you wish you were, but come to God as you are. You're suffering? Come to God that way. You're happy? Come to God that way. Sometimes we have certain ideas as to how we can come to God. I've heard people pray in ways they don't usually talk. I don't know if you've ever heard that, but I have heard in my experience growing up in a church, and even in my own home, people pray in ways that I've never heard them talk, and I've heard others say, I cannot pray in public, please do not ask me, because I do not want to pray in public. I don't want to close in prayer, I don't want to open in prayer, I don't want to pray in public, Please, 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 if we're in a context where there's a lot of people in my small group or in this meeting, don't ask me to pray. And I've heard others pray in ways that I've never heard anybody communicate on a regular basis. If you know how to talk, you know how to pray. So often people say, whatever you do, don't ask me. I love how James starts his treatise on prayer Is anyone happy? Come to God. Anyone hurting? Come to God. Not the way you wish you were or the way you ought to be. Come to God as you are. Richard Foster, one of the great writers on prayer, says this. <coughs> Simple prayer is ordinary people bringing ordinary concerns to a loving and compassionate Father. Had I written it, I would have said ordinary people with ordinary concerns coming to an extraordinary Father. Why he writes it this way is so that we understand this incredible, wonderful invitation Not just a God that I can't get to or a God that I can't get near. Talk about it next week. But a God who invites me into his presence. A loving and compassionate father. Ordinary people with ordinary concerns coming to a loving and compassionate father. That allows me in the room. That lets me know that I can come. That he's not going to put me off or put me down. He's going to invite me in. No pretense, no pretending to be more holy or saintly than we are. It is pouring out our hearts to God, he goes on to say, who is greater than our needs and knows our hearts. James said, are you suffering? I would say, come that way and ask for strength and healing. Are you happy? Come that way and rejoice. Are you sad? Come for help and a lift. Are you sorry? Ask for forgiveness. Are you confused? Ask some questions. Are you grateful? Give some praise. Come to God the way you are. I love what Foster said. I'm going to put in your notes next week because I love this word analogy that he uses. God, our Father, invites us into his living room so we can talk. Think about the analogies that he's using in a house. God, our Abba, invites us into his living room so we can talk, into his kitchen where we can laugh, into his study where we can ask for wisdom, into his dining room where we can feast to our hearts to light, into the workshop of his creativity where we can work together to determine the outcome of events and into the bedroom of his rest. Now that is a great invitation into the family room of God, into the heart of God. He invites us into his living room so we can talk. You do that in yours. We laugh all the time in our kitchen. Things are said in our kitchen that are said nowhere else in our home. Into his study where we can ask for wisdom, into his dining room where we can feast to our heart's delight into the workshop of his creativity where we can work together to determine the outcome of events. And I will come against that, at that time when we get to that piece, against the phrase, it is what it is, because I don't like that phrase. I love Mike Tomlin. I don't like the phrase. Talk about it then. And into the bedroom of his rest. Come to God the way we are, not the way we think we should be, not the way we wish we were. Come to God as you are. There are some issues that come to mind sometimes when we discuss the issue of prayer. And I'm going to address some of those this morning. Things that go through our mind when we think about praying. Sometimes we think that, that I need to be in a different place spiritually before I can pray. When I begin to think about prayer, when you talk about prayer, when we think about prayer meetings or prayer subjects or prayer in our small group, I, I don't feel comfortable because I kind of think... Now, you may not, but I know there are a lot of people that do think I need to be in a different place or a better place spiritually before I can pray. We tend to think that my prayer life is going to get better or be better when I'm a stronger Christian. So if I spend a few years growing in my faith, then my prayers will change. They may. Sad part is many people wait till some magic moment or incredible moment before they begin this opportunity to pray. Sometimes we have these preconceived notions that we need to come to God or how we need to come to God before we come to Him in prayer. I get James four three. That before I ask, or as I ask, I need to make sure that my motives are pure, that I don't want to spend them on, on my own pleasures. Can I be honest with you for a minute? I don't always know. I, I get what James is saying in chapter 4, verse 3. Before I come to God, or as I come to God in prayer, i got to make sure that my motives are pure. But can I be really honest with you? Or just you and me in a room, Swami, okay? I honestly don't know sometimes. And so when I come to Him in prayer, I spend some time having Him help me sort out my motives. Because if I'm real honest and you're real honest, you don't know if your motives are pure. I want to sound spiritual. Well, that's an impure motive. I want to make sure my prayer sounds good. Well, that's about you. I want to make sure it makes sense. That's all about... I spend some time with God in prayer to help, have Him help me sort out my motives. So if I've got to wait till my motives are pure before I come to God in prayer and I only obey that verse, then I probably won't come because if I'm real honest... I don't know how to sort out my own motives sometimes. I need His help desperately to have Him walk me through the process of understanding my motives. Sometimes location can be a barrier to pray. Sometimes we think that it's confined to a certain location. Prayer can happen in a sacred place, which is awesome, or it can happen in your car or happen on a walk. I've got a chair in my office, I've got one at home. And when I'm there in that context, I spend an inordinate amount of time or the most bulk of my time in prayer in that one location. And if you've got one of those, that's awesome. There are a lot of people that find their greatest times in prayer with God are when they're driving to work or driving on their way to an event or on a walk in the woods when no other distractions are around me. I found I ride Harleys a lot and I found a, a helmet the other day that actually has Bluetooth in it which is being able to get my cell phone calls and somebody said are you going to buy one and I said are you crazy that's why I'm on the Harley <laughs> some of the times I just need to get away and drive in the woods or walk in the woods or have a, a quiet moment with God now the opposite of that is people who say I don't need to come to church I can spend time with God in the woods do you is what I would love to ask because usually they don't. Prayer can happen in a prayer meeting. Prayer can happen in the living room of a friend. There are so many times that we think it's defined to a given location. So even in our context, we don't have a, a large gathering, prayer meeting. Everybody that, anybody that brings me Jim Simula's books, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire." And symbol is a pastor in New York and has an incredible Wednesday night gathering. Hundreds and hundreds of people gather together on Wednesday night for their Wednesday night prayer meeting. I've read both of his books. I love his books. And someone will bring them to me and See, if we had two or three or four hundred kind of people at our prayer meeting instead of four, we would have this kind of event happen. And maybe that's true. What I want to be careful of is that we don't confine prayer to a given location now that doesn't mean we ought not to have prayer meetings in church, not at all prayer can happen God can do some amazing things in those contexts and I've seen it happen And God can answer and work, empower in a small group gathering within, in a living room with your closest friends sometimes a, another obstacle is time Sometimes we think that if I don't pray at 5 a.m., it's not effective. <laughs> if I don't get up really early in the morning, because I've heard saints down through the ages that get up really early in the morning and they spend some time with God in prayer, and I'm not a morning person, so if I don't pray at 5, I must not be near as spiritual as them. Or if I don't pray for two or three hours, or if I'm really spiritual, really spiritual, I'll go to an all-night prayer meeting. If you do any of those three, it's awesome. If God has led you on a journey where you're spending some time early in the morning or multiple hours spending time with God, that is awesome. If you go to an all-night prayer meeting, that is phenomenal. But conversation with God is more about the heart than the clock. And sometimes we don't always see that. Now, if 30 seconds a day is all you're giving to God, can I just be really honest with you? You ought to spend a little bit of time looking at the clock. But prayer is more about the heart than it is the clock. Spending time with the creator of the universe, a God who loves me and adores me and loves me like crazy and wants to spend some time with me. My father and I couldn't be more different. I mean, we are literally worlds apart in some ways. We look a lot alike. The same nose and the dark hair and, and all that goes with that and, and our work ethic is a lot alike, but we're really different in a lot of ways. And there are times that I'll have conversations with him that last... 10, five to ten minutes and times that I, I spent with my mom that finally after forty-five to fifty-five to sixty-five to seventy minutes I'll say mom my ear dead <laughs> I need to hang up so it's different with each of them God is more interested in the kind of relationship where it would probably be more favored toward my mom's relationship with me where we just spend time in conversation Delighting to hear from one another. Delighting to understand each other. Wanting to know what's going on in each other's lives. I want to hear from God. He wants to hear from me. And I've got a God who invites me into his presence. I've got a mom who lives for Saturday morning because that's the morning I call her. I've got to believe that God just is just as delighted when his children come into his presence and spend time. Great relationships take time to develop. And to be able to spend some time with God, it does take time to be able to get to know God better. It's got to be more than thirty or forty seconds a day. with The Father who loves you. Another barrier sometimes is that preconceived notion that to come to God, I've got to say it right. Sometimes we think there's a certain language that God speaks. Y'all grow up that way, or any of you grow up that way, where God seems to speak King James language. Any of you? Is it just me? that for years thought that's how God spoke because that's how I heard people. Pray. Where do you Of all places, where did I learn that's how we're supposed to pray? In church. And so I assumed that's what God wanted to hear. And so I spent more time trying to figure out how to express myself or talk that way than just conversation with God, letting Him know what I feel, letting Him hear what I have to say. If you talk that way, my father still prays in King James English. I've never heard him speak that way, especially when he's around cattle. (laughs) If this is recorded, this is Bob Thomas speaking today. Pastor Denny is sick. We have no idea where he's at. Sometimes we think that if I speak a certain language, God understands what I have to say. Otherwise, if it's just me and him talking, it won't matter. I've got a friend who died just a few years ago. His name is Dr. John Stevie. He's one of the reasons I received my master's in in, uh, pastoral studies from Nyack College. John used to write out his prayers. He thought through them. He thought through all the public prayers. He thought through them. He wanted to make sure they were clear. He wanted to make sure he didn't uh, stumble on his words. I write out all my sermon. It's totally scripted. If I don't, I will ramble or repeat in one of those two ways. I hear people tell me all the time, wouldn't it be great if you just simply stood up and talked and shared you weren't dependent on the notes on a Sunday morning? Just trust God on Sunday morning. Can I just tell you something? If I don't trust God on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night when I get ready for this, I'm not getting up on Sunday morning. <laughs> if God isn't in my office when I'm writing out and hearing from Him and walking it through it and changing it 23 times and listening to His voice and making sure I understand His heart, if He's not there Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and on Saturday night when I spend some time together with him again, I don't want to get up on Sunday morning. So it's not a matter of how it's scripted. It's making sure that we hear from God. And in prayer, it's not a matter of how it's scripted. It's making sure that he hears from us. And spend some time with him. Some people think that there is a certain thing that I have to do and and a certain way I've got to talk. It's just you and God. Speak from your heart. Don't always try to be deep, just be you. And the more you do that, you may find the deeper you'll get. Don't always try to be deep, just be you. But the more you do that, maybe you'll find that the deeper you'll get. Some people talk to God like they're personal friends. Incredibly honest and unbelievably vulnerable. I think the first place I heard the story was from Brennan Manning in one of his books or maybe in a sermon that I heard him speak. I asked Linda, my secretary, to look it up the other day and she found it as the story of the empty chair. If you've never heard it, you ought to look it up. It's just a great story. It's an old guy who was about to die who invited the pastor, actually the daughter did, so she could come and make sure the pastor was able to meet him before he passed away so that he could do some things at his funeral. And so the new pastor came over and the girl said he's back in his bedroom. He walked into the bedroom and there he saw him propped up with an empty chair beside him. And said, I see you expect me. He said, No, I don't know even know who you are. Well, I'm the new pastor oh, what's with the empty chair? I'd assume that you were expecting me to sit in it. The old guy said, would you close the door for a minute? So the pastor looked around, closed the door, and he said, for years, I didn't know how to pray. I'd go to church and I'd hear pastors talk about prayer and the amount of time they spent in prayer and hear people talk about prayer meetings and spending time with God and I really didn't know what to do or how to do it and I, I tried unsuccessfully on a number of occasions. I just wanted to communicate my heart to God but I didn't feel like I could live up to their expectations or do it the way that God was pleased. And then a friend of mine came over one day and said, Joe, that's what I want you to do. I just want you to take this empty chair and set it beside you You sit in the other chair and just talk to the chair as if Jesus is there because he said, I'll be with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll be with you to the end of time. He said it was kind of awkward at first, but I began to talk to that chair like there was really somebody in the room. And then all of a sudden, I found that those few minutes went to almost two or three hours every day. As I just spent time with Jesus, letting him listen into my heart, and I could sense that I could hear him speak to me. Pastor said, keep it up. Left and went home, back to his office. A couple days later, the daughter called and said, Daddy went home. He said he died in peace. And the daughter said, I'm not sure. I think he did. Called me over to his bedside this morning, told me a couple of corny jokes, and sent me to the store, kissed me on the cheek, and when I came back, he was gone. But he said, The strangest thing happened. When I looked, instead of sitting in his chair or propped up in his bed, he had his head leaning on an empty chair pastor said he was leaning on Jesus before he went home. Scripture tells us that God loves to hear from his children anytime, anywhere. Psalm 116, I love the Psalms. I love the Lord for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. He turned his ear to me. I'll call on him as long as I live. Return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord's been good to you. Can I ask you an honest question? Where are you today? Are you happy? Awesome. Are you sad? Come to God that way. Are you in pain? Ask for help. Are you sad? Ask for joy. Are you happy? Give him praise. Come to God just like you are, not the way you think you should be or the way you wish you were. Come to God as you are. For whatever reason, and I'm not really honestly sure, I personally have been under an unbelievably dark cloud, even with some sunshine yesterday. And so, when I came to God this morning and last night, I came to Him that way. I wasn't going to deny, like He didn't know. Where are you this morning? You happy? Come to God that way. Are you sad? That's okay. Come to him that way. Are you depressed? Are you tired? Are you weary? Are you struggling? Are you suffering? Come to him that way. If Jesus, according to John, is the door, prayer is the key. Spend some time with him. Going to end this morning in prayer. How unusual is that? But I'm going to give you the opportunity. Justin's going to come, he's going to sing a song to kind of set the tone. And then for just a few moments, he's going to play quietly. And then he'll end with a beautiful song. And what I'd love for you to do, wherever you're at, you don't have to go anywhere, do anything, relocate. It's not about the posture of your body, it's about the posture of your heart. It can be about your body, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of room to pray, to kneel, to kneel where you're at, just to spend time. What I'd love for you to do is just practice the presence of God. You're happy, tell them. You're sad, tell them. There's something wrong inside, tell them. Come to him not the way you think you should be or the way you wish you were. Come to him as you.